We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome in to a special solo edition of the Rotowire College Football Podcast. I'm the host, John McKechnie, Nick Whalen, not with us this week. Uh, he'll be back for bowl season pod, so have no fear. Our, our, our fearless host will be back shortly, but just wanted to get a quick one out there for you all today with Championship Weekend on deck. I want to get to the DFS slate for this weekend, so we'll cut the fluff cut the hubbub and get right to it. Start talking about this weekend's slate of games. Um, Just giving a general overview on how I'm attacking this slate. If you go ahead and look, it's it's an 11 gamer. Um, I I believe it might've gotten trimmed down to 10 with the cancellation of the Sunbelt championship game. So unfortunately no Coastal Carolina guys in play, no Louisiana Lafayette guys in play either. Looking at the board though, we have a couple teams just kind of clearly above the rest as far as their expected score, the implied total, um, the the overall over-under of those games. So I think that the chief game on, on this slate that will draw the most attention, and rightfully so, is LSU versus Mississippi. I, I think that we have a situation here where LSU seems to have found its quarterback of the future in Max Johnson. Really impressive stuff from him, uh, the freshman leading LSU to a victory that nobody expected um, over Florida in the swamp a week ago to derail Florida's playoff hopes and really inject one kind of uh, bright light into what has been an otherwise tough season on the Bayou. You know, that that championship hangover hits a little bit harder in NOLA, it seems like, or in Baton Rouge. 
But either way, um, this is a game where we know that LSU's offense seems to be clicking. We know that Ole Miss's offense is always clicking under Lane Kiffin. They lead the board right now as far as their expected score on Saturday, checking in at 39 and a half. So we know that they're going to be pushing for 40. I think LSU's defense will allow them to get there. But I just also think that LSU, despite the losses of guys like Terrace Marshall um, and Eric Gilbert, both of those guys opted out late in the season, I still think that um, LSU is going to be able to hang with Ole Miss. And I said this in my article, but Ole Miss uh, – Blessings to Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboa for waiting until after the DraftKings uh, salary releases um, to opt out and, and get get uh, that draft declaration uh, tweet out there because now we have a situation where all the Ole Miss receivers are on discount and that, that's something that we're we're going to need to pay attention to. We need to figure out you know who the who the guys to target are and who the guys to to maybe fade off of. So you're looking at the, at these tight ends. Elijah Moore eating up almost 40% of the target share for, for the Rebs. So that is a ton to replace. And it's I'm thinking it's going to be redistributed around guys like Jonathan Mingo and Ontario Drummond. I don't think I'm breaking any new ground there. I think that the, those are guys that are established. They both have target shares in the double digits as far as percentage. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, 14.6% of, of the um, – Ole Miss targets, John Dontario Drummond, I'm sorry, checking in at 11.1% of the targets. Both of those guys um, on, on DraftKings, let's see, Drummond checks in at 4,400. That's, that's very nice. Um, that, so that, that's a lot of value. He's going to be very popular. Jonathan Mingo it, going to be extremely popular as well at 3,700. But I, I'd like to steer your attention a little bit towards Braylon Sanders. He's been the least involved of these guys during the course of this season, just seeing uh, just about 7% of the target share, only averaging three targets per game. But again, with, with Elijah Moore and with Kenny Yeboah drawing so much of the water, you know, but it was impossible essentially for, for guys like Mingo, Drummond, Sanders to, to really make it much of an impact. But when Sanders is targeted, ridiculously explosive. And it's not just this year. For his career, he's like a 20 yards per catch type of guy this year, despite seeing only three targets per game. So we're working on a small sample here. Uh, this should come down, but we should see more targets. Um, so that, that's a nice payoff, especially in, in a PPR format like DraftKings. So we got Sanders checking in on 11 catches on 18 targets for 306 yards and two touchdowns. So 11 catches, 306 yards. That's That's got to get your attention going. So I think, again, with, with Ole Miss, uh, expected to, to lead the way as far as teams on this slate and, and their point or from the total perspective. And we know that Mingo and Yaboa aren't going to be playing, or at least that, that's what the uh, kind of inference from their respective announcements is. It looks like it's just all systems go for those receivers, all under 4,400. So that, that is just massive. That, that really changes the slate. Um, I don't know if fading any of these one guys would, would be advisable. I'm going to go after, again, Braylon Sanders, just because I think there's going to be the least amount of roster percentage um, heading towards him as opposed to some of these other guys. But they'll all be reasonably chalky to different points, I'm expecting. So Jet, Mingo and Drummond um, really stand apart in, in that sense because they've produced a little bit more this year. But but Sanders, that that guy in the middle with that explosiveness, I really am paying attention to though you should get exposure to all three um, if, we're, if we're being honest here. 
on the other side of that one, again, we, you know, we have LSU having lost some of their top guys, uh, Terrace Marshall opting out, Arik Gilbert opting out. That opens up some serious targets. Um, we we start. We don't have the advantage like we do with the Ole Miss receivers, where um, the the big high uh, highly touted guys opted out after the the contests were launched. But we have a game of sample here, um, specifically with Max Johnson at quarterback against Florida. And that offense played extremely well. So guys like Kayshawn Boutte, um, seeing 23 targets over his last two games, I think that that's really impressive, averaging seven and a half yards per target. So that's okay. You, you'd want a little bit more. But I think the key here is to remember that Ole Miss uh, can really grease the skids of an offense. I mean, they, they give up uh, – 310 yards per game through the air. So that is just, yeah, you're going to want to target that. Again, you're going to want to target this game on both sides, especially in the passing games. I'm not going to go after the running backs much on either. I think LSU's run game is largely broken. And I think Jerry Ely, while a great player, maybe a little bit, a um, little bit more expensive than you would like. I think you, you can save some coin um, at other running back spots and, and get very similar production. So that's my read on those run games. Jare Jenkins is, is the guy that I, I, I'm going to have the most exposure to out of this LSU receiving core. Came on strong last week with, with the eight target performance against Florida. I believe he reached the end zone as well. So he looks like he's, he's going to be locked in. Um, really talented guy, tall, 6'4". So, I mean, he, he's someone that um, is going to be a problem for Ole Miss, particularly in the red zone, caught four of those eight targets. So not a great catch rate, but we'll, we'll let that slide. 65 yards and a touchdown last week against a tough Florida defense in the Swamp. So um, this set up much, much better. I could see him pushing for double-digit targets, and I think that he is is a screaming value, to to be frank. I mean, he's just 4,300, so you can you can have – crazy, crazy lineups with, with these value receivers in a way that um, really I'm like almost talking myself into the slate uh, by the minute when it, when it comes to this. So definitely when you're talking about this one, Ole Miss, LSU kind of takes center stage for, for DFS purposes. But of course there are some other games that um, are drawing our interest. <laughs> Wake Forest, Florida State, over under sitting at 66. I like pieces from this game. I I do have trust issues with both of these teams. However, I think they they've both been in spots where they're set up to smash before and have fallen way flat. Um, Sam Hartman, Jordan Travis, both very not very trustworthy quarterbacks on either side of that matchup. But I do like them for DFS purposes this week. You know, we we, we have a couple of defenses that are a little bit shoddy, um, very different as far as the way that these quarterbacks approach the game. Jordan Travis, generally a lower volume passer as far as his attempts per game are, is concerned. But at the same time, he adds some uh, dynamic ability with hit with his mobility. So you have to like that um, as far as his chances to maybe push for that 100-yard rushing bonus. You don't expect a 300-yard passing bonus from him necessarily. Jay Sean Corbin obviously ran for three scores last weekend, so he's going to be involved. Uh, Travis might not get the chance to vulture him because Corbin might be punching it in, but either way, I think there's some rushing upside. There, there's going to be points scored on both sides of this one. It, it does have the second highest over under at 66. Um, no other game 
um, is over 61, other than these LSU Ole Miss and, and Wake Forest Florida State games are concerned. So um, Clemson, Notre Dame expected to be a little bit of a slugfest, 60 and a half. I'm not going to have a ton of exposure on either of this one. It, it might be, you know, something that burns me, but at the same time, I think the, these defenses are too quality. There's so much on the line here. Um, I think that Trevor Lawrence being back changes the way that this game goes as far as who comes out on top. But for DFS purposes, I'm not particularly um, in on this game. I, I, I will have probably zero Travis Etienne, probably zero uh, Kyron Williams. Might go a little bit Je Javon McKinley. He seems to be the, that primary downfield threat for the Irish, but you know, you, you don't expect a ton of volume necessarily heading his way. You know, he can, he can produce on a per target basis, but it's just a matter of how much he's going to get and how much do you really want to test the, this, uh, this Clemson secondary that, that is probably the best one that it's had it, it, since the kind of dynasty what was born a few years back. Um, other games to, to keep an eye on. I mean, you, you got the big 12 championship that, that really doesn't feel like it has a whole lot of impact, both in, terms of the college football playoff and, and also this slate. Um, Brees Hall kind of just infallible at this point. We know he's matchup proof. And even if he wasn't, we, we wouldn't be particularly scared of Oklahoma, but he's 8,500. He's priced below um, Mo Ibrahim from Minnesota, which is a little bit surprising. Hall at 8,500, you know, we've seen him clock in uh, way higher than that on, on the boards um, elsewhere. So um, that, that'll be something to to keep in mind for this week. But th those are the the ways that I'm approaching this slate from a from a game by game perspective. Um, a couple other under the radar ones potentially Utah Wazoo, um, specifically on the Utah side. I think that Utah's defense kind of smothers Washington State. Um, I think Utah's offense is clicking really nicely right now. I don't think Washington State can do much to stop it. So there's some pieces on Utah that you should definitely pay attention to. Uh, Miss State, Missouri feels like it's the forgotten game of this entire slate, but they, there might be a couple pieces in there to, to keep an eye on as well. We'll get to that. And uh, San Jose State, Boise State, San Jose State, awesome, awesome story that this entire season. Nick Starkle on his third uh, Division I program finally finds his footing, and it goes really well. He, de he delivers San Jose State to the Mountain West Championship. So it's been a really fun season. They got some fun players on their offense. There's a viral clip of, of Tyler Nevins, their running back last week, just absolutely plowing through a linebacker. Um, uh, I think it was against Nevada for, for a really long run. Um, so he's got that power. I don't, I don't think he's scared of Boise State, but um, we'll have to see what, what happens in that one. It, it, that one, relatively narrow spread. Boise favored by six in that one. So expect San Jose State to maybe gear things a little bit more um, towards the air. But in terms of quarterbacks, let's get to it. I'll, I'll run through some position by position uh, stuff that I like. Max Johnson kind of leads it off for me. Um, he's 6,800, I believe. So you really don't have to break the bank to, to get him into your lineup. And he's cheap, he's cheap enough. Yes, yeah, 6,800. He's cheap enough to where you can – really easily, especially with how cheap those Ole Miss receivers are, um, you can go with like a full game stack essentially um, using using this one. So you can you can run uh, Max Johnson out there in your quarterback spot and then, you know, run it back with um, Matt Corral as the as the second guy. Um, that, that should work reasonably well, I think. And then again, all the pairings you can do with them with all those value receivers, you just 
yeah, it's going to be hard to ignore that. So definitely in on Max Johnson and just this game in general. Uh, you guys know that. Uh, Jordan Travis, again, um, someone a little bit pricier than, than Johnson, but I think still worth it given um, that rushing upside that he brings to the table, that the kind of soft matchup on top of it um, really t- kind of steers. Like I would easily prefer Travis at 7,200 over Kellen Mond at 76, um, Ian Book at 79. Even Brock Purdy at 7K, I, I, I'm definitely just leaning a little bit more towards Travis, even with the admission of um, a low passing volume uh, ceiling. So that those are those are two of my main core uh, quarterbacks, uh, at least from the value bin. Um, as far as a little bit further down, and I do like Sam Hartman a little bit um, for Wake Forest 6,900. So if you wanted to do a Wake Forest Florida State game stack, I think that would work reasonably well. Hartman, high volume. Uh, does not throw a ton of touchdowns, but um, you know he, if he can just get the ball to his receivers in space, he's got really talented receivers. They can do most of the heavy lifting. Florida State allows 8.1 yards per attempt. Again, Wake Forest high implied total, 36 and a quarter. So I expect to see them putting up points on the board. Hartman hopefully has something to do with it enough to at least pay off at, at 6,900. A couple other guys, Jake Bentley, Utah. Again, going up against Washington State, he is the starter for Utah now. You remember him from his days at South Carolina. Um, talent's not amazing or anything, but, you know, Washington State's allowing 36 points per game, 307 passing yards, 8.2 YPA, 3.3 touchdowns. So this is this is a defense that can be got through the air. I know that that USC game probably put the thumb on the scale. There's, there's a small sample caveat to be put on Washington State, but oh well. Um, Ty Jordan, also the, the running back of, of Utah. I know I'm kind of all over the map as far as this position breakdown, but Ty Jordan, kind of like the, the centerpiece of that Utah offense. But if you wanted to get a piece of the passing game, get a little contrarian, uh, Jake Bentley would, would be a good starting point. And Connor Bazelak plays for Mizzou, throws it a ton, um, and is very efficient, actually. I mean, he, he's completing like 70% of his passes, but he he's throwing touchdowns at a, a – a rate that I can only describe as bizarre. Like it's below 2% of his passes end up going for touchdowns and he's a high volume passer. Um, You know, so he's 36 attempts per game type of guy and just none of them are finding the end zone. So I'm almost convinced that especially in a matchup against Miss State um, that that we we could be due for a little bit of positive touchdown regression. Um, He does well against teams that, that don't have elite defenses. I know that he struggled against Georgia a week ago and has struggled against some of those other tougher teams on Missouri's schedule, but I think this this is a team that that doesn't scare me nearly as much in Miss State. So Bazelak at 5,900, if you want to get a little weird with it, um, I would sign off on that. Running back, sticking with Mizzou, I think Larry Roundtree really, really stands out as one of the top running back plays of this entire weekend, not just this slate. So he's RB10 on the, on the board here. I don't agree with that. I don't know how that happened. I know he's coming off of like, you know, kind of a train wreck game against Georgia, but you know, Georgia is the best run defense in the SEC. Um, they allow about half the amount of rushing yards that Miss State does. So I look for Roundtree to get fed here and I look for him to have plenty of success as well. So um, that, that's where I'm leaning when, when it comes to when it comes to him. Um, looking elsewhere, uh, I did mention or when it comes to Roundtree. And then Tyler Nevins, again, 6,400. It's not a juicy matchup going up against Boise State. 
and there's some there's some thin lines that you need to walk here um, when it comes to Nevins because he was kind of a just a rotational part of that backfield earlier in the season has only just started to see double digit carry workloads over those last two weeks but it's been crazy uh, you know over the last two games let's see two uh, 28 carries for 336 yards and three touchdowns. That's 12 yards a carry. That's not a verbal typo. That is unbelievable stuff from him. Boise State, I know we usually think of them as the team to just avoid um, any time that you have a Mountain West team going up against them. Their run defense is definitely taking a step back this year. Um, I expect Nevins, as long as San Jose State is able to keep this one competitive, if Nevins just pushes for 10 or so carries, I think that we're going to see low roster ship percentage, roster percentage on him, and I think that that, that will help him ultimately pay off. So um, those, those are kind of my main guys on the sub, sub 7K part of the board. Um, other guys that, that might be trendy, you know, like a, a Max Borgie, I'm not using him against Utah. I can't really trust him. Um, just yet. George Halani's tough to figure out on the other side of that San Jose-Boise game because, you know, he comes back last week from the long absence, but uh, Alex Van Buren gets 25 carries. So how much of that division of the workload continues into next week? How much of that was about just kind of easing Halani back into action? I'm not sure, but I'm not going to tie up too much risk into that, into such a, a big unknown. So that, that's kind of a tough one to sort through. Um, I would be a little bit more uh, bullish on on a guy like Trey Sermon if Ohio State wasn't going up against Northwestern, but I worry about Northwestern, you know, keeping this one lower scoring. I, I still think it, Ohio State will will hang points on the board, don't, don't get me wrong, but um, maybe Sermon needs Ohio State to just be blowing the doors off of people, I think, um, to really start to get in the mix for carries. I'm not sure that that uh, particular script happens this week. So I would avoid him. Um, let's move on over to receiver. Um, again, Jare Jenkins really, really le leads it off for me, as does Braylon Sanders. Those two guys, um, both under 4,400. Jare Jenkins, 43. Uh, Braylon Sanders, 41. And talked about Drummond and Mingo a little bit earlier. Um, I think that Trey Walker at, at, uh, at 5K is one of the more screaming values on this board. San Jose State's offense, the way it functions, um, especially in the passing game, a lot of Bailey Gaither and a lot of Trey Walker. Uh, it basically, if the ball is going to the receivers, it's going to one of those two. And that has been borne out over the course of this entire season. Uh, they, they draw about 17 combined targets per game. The rest of those receivers draw about six. Um, so that, that gives you an idea of you know, how much San Jose trusts those two um, to carry the bulk of that of that offense. Gaither, the more expensive one, but I think Walker is, is almost as good. I mean, he, he's not as good on a per-target basis, but yardage is still solid, still an 8.2 yards per target guy. I think he can definitely return value on, on 5K. It's going to be hard to, to um, go away from him, especially, you know, you, you got your last roster spot to fill. You only got like 50, 5,200 or something left. You can leave 200 bucks on the table. Uh, and go with Walker, no problem there. Um, I think that the Ohio State guys are a little bit underpriced relative um, to, to their talents. But again, um, Garrett Wilson, 8K, Chris Olave, 73. It's just a, a matchup that, that could get a little weird. So I don't know how much Ohio State I'm really, really tempted to go after. Um, 
moving elsewhere. Theo Wees at 6K, I think he's starting to emerge as the best receiver on Oklahoma right now. So if you want to test out that, that Iowa State defense a little bit, I would do it with, with Wees, um, other than uh, – other than with Ramondre Stevenson, of course, uh, Jalen Wally has really come on nicely for Miss State. So if you think that Miss State is able to buck its recent trends and and, and start to uh, put some more points on the board, I think Wally is is the nicest path uh, to helping you out in that regard. Donovan Green of Wake Forest, someone that you're going to need to uh, wait and see on as far as those pregame injuries are concerned. Those can always be a little dicey, a little messy, but um, at the same time, uh, Green is probable. I believe he's been practicing this week, so things are trending in the right direction as far as he's uh, concerned. So those are my those are my main guys. There's so much value at receiver this week. Um, you, you might need to find ways to interesting ways to find your way off the chalk because everyone will be on those sub forty four hundred dollar receivers. But um, you got to know that those guys are out there. So that that's my lean as far as DFS is concerned. The rest of my article will be out on Friday. Uh, here as well. Rounding things out, got some uh, best bets for this weekend. Um, I do like Northwestern plus 20 and a half. Again, I think they can just muddy it up enough. I think they lose closer to like by 17 points, something like that. Um, I just think that, you know, Ohio State does it. They have the risk of, you know, needing those style points. We've, we've seen them need style points before in the Big Ten Championship, and it resulted in them like just putting a biblical whooping on Wisconsin. I don't know if they, if they uh, are able to pull it off to the same degree against this Northwestern team. They're, they're pretty feisty. I think they can keep this one competitive for just long enough um, to, to help cover that big number. I like Utah. I like them minus 10 and a half in, in their matchup. Washington State, I think, is a little bit overmatched in this one. I don't think Washington State is going to do much on offense. I think Utah does just enough on offense with that um, killer combination of Ty Jordan and some of the some of that passing game. So I will take them to cover that number. I, w- I wish uh, it was nine and a half, but uh, what can you do? Um, looking elsewhere, Notre Dame, I like them a lot, plus ten and a half. And I, I might even sprinkle some on the money line as far as they're concerned. I, I think that there, there's been too much of a narrative suggesting, like, what happens when Clemson blows out Notre Dame in the ACC championship game? I don't think that that happens. I think that that, that is just – being beholden to your previous Clemson take, which fair, um, but I don't know if Clemson is quite the same team that, that they were two years ago or even last year, to be honest with you. I don't think they have that game changer at receiver like they did with T. Higgins and Justin Ross. I mean, Amari Rogers, Cornell Powell, don't get me wrong, very talented players, but, eh, you know, are they really as scary? I'm not so sure. So I think that Notre Dame They know that they don't get a ton of of that national respect right now. Um, I I think that they know that everyone is on the Clemson side of this one and expecting Notre Dame to take the loss. I think they galvanize around that. This is a team that lost to uh, Clemson in the playoff a couple years ago, still have a lot of those pieces remaining, still have some, and now they have some really studly uh, freshmen on the, on both sides of the ball, really that tight end, Michael Meyer, uh, he's a beast. A lot of young players on that defense, too, starting to gel, starting to make plays. I think Notre Dame definitely does well enough to cover that uh, number, 10 and a half. And then rounded out your late night uh, Saturday special. I like Arizona State. Um, that, you know, Going up against Oregon State that's on their second string quarterback, I know that you could, you could argue that I, I'm being beholden to Arizona State's just 
whooping of Arizona in the Territorial Cup last week. I'm not. I think that they are a very quality team. I thought that um, their game against USC was the de facto Pac-12 South championship, as it were, and it kind of did bear out to be that way in, in some sense. Uh, obviously, USC will be playing Friday night for that uh, Pac-12 championship, but Arizona State, like the direction of that program, like it better than, than Oregon State's, to be clear, and like the current state of that Arizona State program a little bit more. So that's the, those are my four bets. Again, uh, to recap for you there, Northwestern plus 20 and a half, Utah minus 10 and a half, Notre Dame plus 10 and a half, and Arizona minus seven and a half against Oregon State. I think that they can, they can definitely uh, cover that one. So those are my reads. Uh, those are how I'm betting this weekend, and that's how I'm going to be approaching the DFS main slate uh, for this weekend. So again, no, no Nick Whalen this week. So just a solo one from, from your old pal, John McKechnie here. That's going to do it for this edition of the solo Rotowire college football podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.